Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the second episode of the Off the Charts podcast. I'm your host, Amber. And I'm your other co-host, Shazma, and we're very excited to have our special guest today, Brielle Robiard. Brielle, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to talk with you two today and, um, you know, inform our audience about everything. That's amazing. We are so excited and we thank you so much for being here and spending the time to talk with us. Um, so we are going to get right into it. Before we get into our amazing conversation, uh, we're going to give you guys a little bit more of a background on Brielle and some of her professional work in the arts industry. So Brielle is a professional actress and amateur filmmaker and writer, and she's been working with multimedia since she was only nine years old. She started a variety of projects as an actor. Some recently have been uh, the feature film The Silencing, which came out in 2020, starring Game of Thrones alumni Nicolaj Coaster-Waldo and Peaky Blinders star Annabelle Wallace. I had to add in Annabelle Wallace because I'm a huge Peaky fan, so I was incredibly excited when I heard about that. Uh, she's also currently starring in the CBC series Endlings and has guest starring roles this year in Nurses and the Netflix original Creeped Out, among many other credits she's garnered. She has also worked on her own film projects, one of which have garnered her the Best Canadian Short Work Award at the Whistler Film Festival. And she also has a new short film that she's been working on, which will be released in May. At only 17 years old, she has already been able to make such a profound impact by combining her experience uh, and passions for the media arts into founding her own company that launched in August named Breeze, which we're going to dive into later on. So that was a lot of information, but hopefully that gave you a good back, uh, like background information on who she is. So Brielle, we just wanted to ask you to get things started. What drew you yeah. into the arts professionally and how did you get to where you are today? Great question. Um, first, thanks so much for that intro. You make me sound so fancy. I should take you guys everywhere. I mean, geez. Um, yeah, so what drew me to the arts originally? Um, it's actually kind of a funny story. When I was younger, I always loved performing. I'm, I'm a really outgoing and, and kind of, you know, empathetic, compassionate person. I was the kind of kid that showed up with like turtlenecks and combat boots and sundresses to school. Like <laughs> my parents knew from an early age that I was probably going to end up in the arts. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of a fluke that I, I I always wanted to be an actor and I kind of hounded my parents for a long time about it. And they were like, absolutely not. I am not driving you everywhere for auditions. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then we had a contracting happening in our backyard. And I met all these guys and while they were on smoke breaks, great parenting award goes to my family. I would go out there and chat with everybody. And it was so funny because they were working on my agent, my now agent's backyard at the time. And they were like, oh, like, you seem to love all this stuff. And I was talking to them about how I'm going to be a famous actress and all this stuff. And then that landed me an interview with my current agent. And um, yeah, that's kind of how the ball got rolling. Wow. So completely, mm -hmm. you weren't kidding when you said fluke, like completely out of oh, yeah. nowhere. I, wow. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was like, I, I wanted to be, I was photoshopping photos of myself on the red carpet with Meryl Streep from, from a young <laughs> age. But as far as the professional acting goes, it was definitely um, kind of a fun helpful accident. <laughs> That's amazing. So, you know, you, you were kind of saying how your parents were really like, no, not happening, not at all. Yeah. So, you know, how did that change? Was that because you got the agent or was it, you know, something that you did that they saw like, wow, you really can do this? Like, how did that transition yeah. happen? You know, as a master manipulator, no, okay. Um, <laughs> as, I just, I really was, honestly, it was, it was, just a lot of bombarding. I was so obsessed with just being a performer and acting and being creative all the time that um, when this opportunity arose, my family was like, you know what, you have to go. Like, this is a sign, um, go audition. And when it happened, 
my mom is also really creative. She loves film and, and all of that. So once it started, my, my family was really all in. They were like, you go, girl. Um, oh so, yeah. Yeah. It, I think for most kids, if you're thinking about going into acting, you should understand that it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough thing to get into. You know, you are most of the time driving to auditions on like a day notice and, you know, memorizing eight page scripts in two days. And it's a lot of work that I didn't think I necessarily knew going into it. Um, but my parents were very, really helpful once it started. Do you think you faced any sort of outside pressure that made you kind of doubt whether or not you wanted to take this as like your full-time career? Or is there any other types of fields that you could have gone into? Yeah, amazing question. I think every artist goes through a period where they're like, oh, wow, this is very hard. And the people I see on TV or on, you know, the radio, it, it was a hard path for them and not everybody makes it. But I think, again, when you're born to love the arts, it's difficult to not go for it. You know what I mean? It, it's such a strong love. And I think most locations are like that. But specifically with the arts, you always need that creative outlet. You always need a space to be yourself and express yourself. So it's hard to not respond to that calling, I think. Um, but yeah, outside pressure wise, it's a good question. Like, I, I noticed when I was moving schools when I originally became an actress and I did Zoinked, which was a show on YTV. I've seen that on your IMDb and I freaked yeah. out because I used to love that show. Yeah, and none of that ever registered for me. Like, I was never going into it thinking that, oh my gosh, people are going to be coming up to me or whatever. I just genuinely loved performing and acting and, and all just generally film. Um, but yeah, I remember moving schools. It was a bit difficult at that time because I, I would definitely get a lot of... Um, different responses from people. When you say you're an actress, either everyone's like, that's awesome, tell me more. Or they're like, you're weird and whatever. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was definitely something I had to deal with. But you can quickly get over it as long as you're like nice and down to earth and, and keep your head on straight. So, yeah, yeah, that amazing. sounds amazing. Well, we've talked a lot about all of the things that you've tackled, including having your own company. And I also know that you debate on a national level, which <laughs> I find really interesting because I do that. Um, I do debating in my own time as well. Oh, amazing. So, as a 17-year-old, how have you been able to balance, you know, working as an actress, doing all those other extracurriculars, and also doing well in school? Like, what are some ways that you've been able to kind of deal with all of that? Yeah, I would say I've balanced it poorly. No, I, I've, I've been very good. When you start off younger, you need to be on top of it. And it's mm -hmm. honestly just become like a part of my life now. I'm thankful. I don't know if this was a natural thing or if it was something I developed because I started so early just in like the working industry, regardless of whether it was film or not. Um, I, I was always really big on schedules and I'm big on to-do lists. I'm that kind of person. I think that's, I, I think that's something common with a lot of filmmakers. Um, people think that artists are usually really flighty, but a lot of it just is so um, dependent on managing a good schedule. And mm -hmm. I think my main thing that's helped me so much through all of that, because I mean, Lord knows I am a busy, busy person <laughs> and I really don't like stopping. I'm one of those people that just constantly needs to work. Um, I think the main thing with that is you really have to, and this goes for anybody struggling with um, any schedule, you really need to know your own limits and listen to yourself. So like I know, for example, I work way better when I'm in advance and I do bits at a time. Like I'm not a all night studier night before kind of person. Mm -hmm. And when you realize things like that, you can be like, okay, I need to force myself to do work at this period of time and really just plan it out from there. But I think most of it's about listening yourself. Like I've definitely have times where, you know, during exam season, I was filming Endlings pretty much full time. And I was just being called in uh, randomly and in certain days and then some where they just like, like, can you please come in today during my math exam? Oh so God. it's important to keep people, yeah, keep everybody informed about your schedule and just being ready for anything, really. 
And have you found that um, your school extracurriculars outside of acting, have they been more so accommodating with that in your, your kind of like spontaneous scheduling? Yeah, I always feel so bad to impede on any of that for any people at school ever. So it's definitely a little bit stressful. I think the most helpful thing, you know, if other actors are listening to this or people that want to be actresses, um, it's important to just keep, again, keep everybody informed. Like I go to a super academic school and mm-hmm. I used to go to an art school and they were cool with anything. You could go for a week and they'd be like, we totally understand. We've dealt with this wow. many times, but yeah, at my school now, it was super different for them. So I had to be really in touch with the administration, with every single club coach, you know, email them all two weeks in advance if I knew, tell them mm-hmm. about my circumstances and how it's super random. Well, I mean, that good for like you for <laughs> figuring out how to <laughs> navigate that. Cause I would kind of probably just crumble. Oh, you definitely, every, once you're thrown in, and I I think a lot of this about just human beings, when you're thrown into a situation where you need to get something done, it happens, I think for Mm. most of us. So it's definitely taken a long time. I mean, (laughs) I started when I was super young, and I definitely wasn't uh, dealing with it well back then. But yeah, I think it's all about knowing who you are and and what you need. Did you have any sort of like support system that you established to kind of help you get through those types of things? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Um... Yeah, I mean, specifically in the film industry, everybody, you just meet the best people. And when you're younger, and how do I explain this? Um, There are a lot of people that you really cling on to really quickly. So I've been in touch with some folks from when I filmed like my first feature film when I think I was like 11 or something. And when I see them at auditions now, it's hugging and it's like kissing on the cheek and how are you and everything. So there's definitely an amazing support system that comes like with any arts industry, I think. And that's really helped guide me throughout everything. Like I know um, a woman I worked with on my first short film, the one at uh, Whistler, she uh, introduced me to one of her friends later on. And then now that friend Morgan Davidoff helped me build my entire website. And she's been mentoring me through pretty much everything with zero compensation. Like I, I just help her with her um, media stuff and she helps me with my website. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of that. And I think that's so amazing about our industry that everybody's really willing to help most of the time. Obviously you're gonna have bad apples, um, but uh, most people that I've met in the industry have been great guiding forces. And then a lot of people that are kind of into the stuff that I'm into at my school, I get really close to my teachers and they're excited to hear about my life. And yeah, so, and my parents obviously are, Specifically, my mom is probably, you know, the stone that holds everything together. But she's helping me with everything. She's running the line. She's, you know, driving me all oh the places gosh. when I couldn't drive. Well, wow. a little flex there. I can drive now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to add that in there. Um, no, yeah. I mean, even like personally, obviously nowhere near as extensive a career as you. But I mean, this past year, I've finally gotten myself to a point where I'm starting to actually officially work, but yeah, I mean, signed. I, <laughs> we're going to add that in there. Um, <laughs> uh, she drives and she just got signed. That's yeah. right. She's special. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, you're right. I did not even realize how valuable those connections were in like, cause you'll meet one person and you'll, you'll think, oh, maybe I met them in a class or I met them in an audition and you'll be somewhere else. And that mm-hmm. same person could introduce you to someone that could give you another huge opportunity and it's like it's like building that connection and I mean obviously yeah you've had many years to build those connections <laughs> and see that network grow but even just for me in, in the past year of doing so I've um I never realized how valuable that was and I mean this podcast yeah. is a perfect example like right. when I met you we were just it was literally so small like I was just like hey right. 
but like, hey, we were both freaking I'm... for those of you who don't know we were actually freaking out over <laughs> an application that we we sent in and and i t i think i texted you first yeah i was like i had no idea who she was i think i met her at the they did like a hangout for applicants mm -hmm. and i was like hi um i know you don't know who i am but did you like happen to get anything <laughs> And she's like, oh, yeah, but did you get anything? And we were, like, going back and forth, like, checking my spam folder and seeing if yeah, we got anything. Yeah, it's crazy. But, I mean. And now yeah, it's this. Now I'm, you know. Now we're here, yeah. You're creating opportunities for me. And, you know, I'm happy to be here. Just kidding. <laughs> They're holding me hostage, guys. Blink twice if you need help. Oh, this is podcast. We can't say that. We're live. Yeah. Um, also, out. you guys can't see me blink twice if it's, if it's just audio. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But, yeah. 100 percent. it's it's a great community to be a part of and you can find that really anywhere i mean mm -hmm. people are really open to it in the arts just because it's so collaborative but i think if you're going into any industry uh, the one tip i would give is to not be so overly focused on networking just be aware that you're trying to build real connections mm -hmm. you know what i mean because i've met some people who are just like hello 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 and it's like <laughs> i can you can read right into that you know right um but as long as you're open-minded and you're meeting you're connecting with the people you actually you know feel something with mm -hmm. right right yeah of course mm -hmm. um so i'm moving kind of on from you know we've got to know you your background and your clearly ex amazing passion for what you do <laughs> um you know how did this all culminate into breeze and like this entire multimedia website and all the stuff that you do um i know you were mentioning or you know when we were doing our research and looking into everything we it was a lot about activism you actually mentioned in the um in some information that we were relaying to each other, the, it was focused on the intersection between art and activism or media and activism. Mm -hmm. So how did the two relate for you? And how did that even culminate into what Breeze is today? Yeah, so actually with Breeze, so I originally, I had this plan a long time ago to just start a media company. Um, originally because, you know, it's changing a little bit, but when I first started in the film industry, I got a lot of limited roles for women. And I think... A lot of POCs have the exact same issue. It's like, uh, not the exact same, obviously, but um, you know, there's an issue with film and just diversity in general. And I wanted to hear voices that I think were important and diverse voices so we could get everybody's perspective. And so my main propeller for starting my own company was just the fact that I was like, I'm done waiting around for you know roles or you know a creative opportunity. I want to make it for myself. And I think a lot of people that have been kind of um, struggling in the film industry for so long, being such a you know, um, like male dominated space, unfortunately, and, uh, and such a limited space that it's important to create those opportunities for yourself. And I've, you know, even uh, Issa Rae, she created her own production company. She's a big inspiration of mine. Um, and I just think that's so awesome. She started the show Insecure just out of her own, you know, mm -hmm. um, will. And so yeah, Breeze originally was because of that, just because I saw a lot of the uh, issues in the film industry. And I wanted to create media and art that included everyone. And that spread messages I thought were important. And as far as the relation of media and activism goes, I would say that art is a reflection of the time, right? So when society is going through something, art translates that and reflects it back into your face, really. You know, it's like looking at a mirror. And I was always drawn to it for that reason. Um, I think like Jasmine said, I, 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 was, I do debate a lot. I've been a debater for a very long time just because I love discussing things. I love, you know, discussing politics and, and issues with the world. Um, as, as horrible as that sounds, for some reason, <laughs> I love it. Um, and I, I know, found I that, it. yeah, right. It's, fun, it's, it's fun, like, yeah. it's, it's totally like a toxic boyfriend. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it makes me so mad, but I always go back because, you know, I love to. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and 
yeah, so I noticed in debate, as great as it is to discuss something with somebody, it's different when you're speaking to their heart. And when I watched a film about something I really didn't know about, or music, I mean, music is a massive inspiration for me. I don't know if any of the listeners know this, but specifically uh, Joey Badass's album, All American Badass, I listened to that once it came out when I was younger, and I was like, racism. It, I, it, I think I understand it now. I mean, not fully, but... I mean, you know, it's hard if you're white to fully understand it, but mm-hmm. it was such a turning point for me and it made me so much more aware about, you know, what other people were going through. And so for me, art is that, and there's such a massive intersection between art and activism for me because um, it's, it speaks to your heart. It changes your perspective in such like a, in just such an internal way. And I love that. And I, and something that I've heard from other creators is that art reminds us what it feels like to be human. And when it really comes down to everything, reminding what it's like to be human is just the ultimate thing, you know, then you get re- you're re in touch with your kindness and your empathy and, and you really understand where to go from here. I think that's an amazing motivation. Why don't you tell us a little more about Breeze altogether? Because we didn't like speak too much about what it is. Like what yeah, are some initiatives that you've done to kind of promote the type of activism and change that you've spoken about? Um, yeah, so Breeze is a multimedia company. And um, I basically there's a media section where I post my films. I'm hoping I'm I'm been in the works with other people's films to publish on the site. Um, other people can publish their stories that I approve. So I have a lot of writers that um, speak to me every so often. I publish those. And there's so many sections I need to think. Poetry is also on there. And then the do good section is really where my heart is. That's the activist section. So I have a bunch of initiatives. Um, my first initiative was the semi-formal outfit recycle fund, which was girls donated a bunch of their dresses to me for free because girls constantly buy 12,000 dresses for one <laughs> semi-formal dance, which I discovered recently. And I only bought we one. We can confirm apparently this is I've, true. <laughs> apparently there's like five like fast fashion sites that just spew out these dresses. So I thought mm-hmm. there has to be a more sustainable way to do this. And a lot of girls that I've met over the years couldn't afford a lot of like, you know, the really bougie, expensive dresses that some girls had. So I got those donations and I sell them on my site. Unfortunately, uh, this year there hasn't been, um, just because there's not semi-formals, I think that it's unfortunate, <laughs> even though it's still, you know, functioning and working and everything's up. But next year, I think that'll, it'll be, have a bit of a bigger impact, even though it's, you know, doing really well right now and I'm, I'm happy about it. And then the second initiative is my refugee awareness um, project. So this one I love so much because I noticed specifically in Western communities, um, we really kind of, everybody compartment, compartmentalizes. <laughs> you can hear my voice so much, so I get worried about saying the wrong words. Um, and, you know, wants to place people in boxes. And I think refugees generally get kind of a bad rap, especially from what I've experienced in Toronto. And so I wanted to speak to, I went to the UN General Assembly, and I reached out to a few people. And um, I landed an interview with Mizuno Malahan, who's a UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador. And she has an amazing story. She's a Syrian refugee. And she literally, I mean, there are accounts of her, she's an advocate for girls' education, and there are accounts of her carrying her books with her, um, you know, across the borders. Like, she wow. was, she's just, like, through and through an activist, and she, I think she was probably 12 when that happened. So she has a fantastic story, and it was important for me to broadcast that to my community because it humanizes them, you know? I think we look at people in just a big heap of a group that's doing this one thing or this couple things, and that's dangerous. We need to see people as individuals and, you know, they're narrowing, uh, they're navigating harrowing circumstances. And, and it's important to see that and recognize the kind of resilience that comes from that, you know, and how so many people are doing amazing things that come from all over. 
Um, so yeah, that was my second initiative. And, and if you buy any of the things on my shop on Breeze, um, all of it goes to, I mean, 20% of it goes to uh, refugees struggling. And then I've recently started a new one that goes to uh, women that have suffered from human trafficking. That's incredible. And you will be able to find all of Real Socials and the Breeze website link in any descriptions or anything that we link to this podcast. So please make sure to check out um, her website. Like she was saying, she, I don't even think it's to half of how amazing what she has done in the company is um and i know that you mentioned it's a platform you you take in a lot of other artists work or surrounding activism and things mm-hmm. but i noticed that you also you do your own work with it um in a lot of different things so is there a specific piece um that you maybe feel you're most connected to or that you are very very proud of in in this respect that's such a good question. I feel you just, I never think of things like that. I'm never like, oh, this is the epitome of my artistic work. But um, yeah, I, I fit specifically in the video gallery. Um, that section is really important to me because I think I see a lot of the world around me just visually. And, and, and see, wow, that was a sentence. I see a lot of the world around me visually. <laughs> Write that one down to your quote book, folks. No, but I, um, I, I think my brain works really cinematically, and so the video gallery is important to me. And, and my favorite piece, it's probably not what you'd expect. I, I'm excited to get my short film on there because that is my ultimate favorite thing that I've made. Um, but my favorite piece is probably the What Memories Feel Like video. I created that from a bunch of the memories of my sister because she was moving away to university. And um, yeah, it's just, and it's Frank Ocean's in the background, and it made me feel so nostalgic and something I love about having all my work on my site is that I can kind of relive those moments and, you know, remember different portions of my life and exactly how they felt. So I would definitely say that is a section I love. And the art gallery, I did a photography um, essay, a photo essay on gender roles. And that's basically how we're more similar than we are different and masculine, feminine. Obviously you can, there's just a large spectrum and, um, you know, there's more similarities than there are differences. So that was kind of, and you'll you'll kind of get it if you see it. It's, it's difficult to talk about photos for me. We're going to have because visuals kind of so going. Visual. Yeah. Okay, yeah, perfect. So you'll be able to have a frame of reference. Don't Let worry. me describe every detail of this photo to you. No. <laughs> I also think it's amazing how diverse your art range, like mm-hmm. art forms are, because I know you focus on mainly acting, but you also make videos, you do photography, you're also into fashion. So how did you kind of branch out into all these different types of arts did you take classes for them did you like like how did you discover all of these different things yeah it's interesting because I mean I have an answer in my head which would be I think every artist just loves every art form usually I think that naturally I was pretty probably just because I've developed in the film industry for so long I think again my brain kind of works cinematically I I, that comes really easy to me Mm -hmm. um but I think music is really where my heart is and you know photography is similar film so that was a relatively easy switch over um yeah but then that was the answer my head but if I really think about it my parents when I was younger I was in you know guitar vocal act I mean plays yeah like they really just signed me up for everything uh, other than write like drawing art I mean I draw a little bit but it's total Oh my yeah, I'm gosh. sure every artist experiences all those different branches to some extent. You have to pull from different areas, right, for everything. So, right, yeah, of course. Um, and I want to go back a little bit also on you were talking a little more about your piece because it just brought up to me, and I would really love to hear about it. The mm-hmm. idea of gender roles. 
I know yeah. that's something that you like you talk about actually a lot on your social media as well and you've expressed that that is something you're very passionate about and I am so happy to hear that because it, it is definitely something that's close to my heart as well um has there if you know if you're willing to share has mm-hmm. have you f- come across any instance or anything particular even maybe even in your art field um or your experience with the arts that that drove you to become so passionate about that 100 percent um yeah yeah i think that a lot of people assume that the arts industry is really open and accepting which is somewhat true but it's important to note the fact that there's a major impact that film photography you know music has on a human being it's one of the most influential things ever i think when uh what's it called jaws Jaws came out, you know, the fear of sharks rose to top three or something when before it was at number 27. So Mm -hmm. there's no doubt that um, these industries make a massive impact. And originally, you know, with the Me Too movement happening, that's something that I think every woman in film has struggled with. Something that really sticks out to me when I was working on a set, um, a woman, I was like, I see you on everything in Toronto, you're just like the actor to choose. And she was like, that's because no other Latina actresses really want to stay in the game. She was like, from the, when, when she started, um, there were many. And then as she went along, she was the only one that really survived or was left because at some point, um, women and specifically women who are minorities, it's so difficult to find a role that you actually think is, you know, needy or interesting or even get chosen for something because it's so limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you put that in the bigger picture, it's like all the media we're consuming is from pretty much like a straight white male perspective. Sorry yeah, for, the, for the trigger. I, mean, no, I love straight white males. Gotta say, they're awesome. <laughs> but I just mean generally, like you have to hear from so many different inputs. I mean, so many different sources. So when I heard that from her, I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a massive problem. Like if you're the only one left and everybody's been discouraged and number, and to just to the discouraging isn't just not getting goals. It's also like there's a massive sexual assault problem, I think in most industries and uh, the film industry is not immune to that at all. Like I remember when I was younger, I think I was 12. Like I think a full grown actor told me that if you sleep with the right people, you can get ahead. And I'm like a 12 year old girl at work. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And going going back to gender roles, I think that, and I talked about this a little bit before, and part of my photo essay speaks on this, we really like to see the world as black and white. You know, we fit people into boxes, we fit things into boxes, and the biggest barrier, um, humanity really, not the biggest barrier, but a massive barrier humanity needs to overcome is just to say, no, not everybody is part of this massive group. Like, women aren't all the same, just because, like, one man is, like, uh, scientifically logical doesn't mean that all <laughs> women like are just flawed in logic right, you know what I mean? yeah. and we do that so much so a lot of that is just understanding that there's such a diverse array of people and that everybody operates well in different spaces in so many um, facets like a lot of people will say that this is why men occupy STEM you know because they're analytical mm-hmm. and they're less emotional but then it's mm-hmm. like so many uh, characteristics of a woman you know, being compassionate, being a great communicator uh, compensates so much of what is a leader, you know? So you can't, it's just not proportional in my opinion. Um, and I think you can see that in a lot of industries and specifically in the arts, it's definitely been a massive mm. issue. I feel empowered already. Can I just say it? <laughs> I'm like, I can do this now. Riel said I can do this, I can do this. Oh my gosh. And it's so changing. Like anybody listening, it, it is definitely changing. You, I can see it, you know, as it happens. It obviously should be going quicker, but you know, it's just, it's important to think, think about the positives. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think that's such an important issue. Um, and the fact that you can deal with that through, or I guess express um, your passion for it through your art form, it just, I think it makes everything just kind of come together for full circle. So that's amazing. Um, you did actually touch upon something I wanted to ask you about, which is STEM. And this, you know, whether it be male or female or just in general, especially you mentioned you go to a very academic, um, academically inclined school. How do you deal with that stigma, um, that stereotype that if you don't go into STEM, you're not going to be successful or if being in a STEM field makes you intelligent as per societal notions? Like, how do you deal with that as, yeah. as an actor and artist? Yeah, 100%. I think so much of my life, aside from the arts, has been, I'm, I'm, I love academics. I'm like, low-key little nerd. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, I do, like, I, I love, you know, history and math. Like, I, there's just so many things part of academia that I'm really drawn to as well. So I've definitely struggled with that. I also think specifically, again, going back to the being a woman thing, what I've noticed is that a lot of the times, and this really goes for, I think, any person that feels slightly disadvantaged that you're constantly fighting stereotypes so I feel as though when I walk into a room I'm constantly having to say oh I'm smart and this is why and I'm funny and this is why and you know what I mean you're constantly proving yourself when yeah. you know somebody who maybe doesn't have those barriers can just be like say one joke and everybody's like he's the funny one you know <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. um yeah and I've noticed that a lot and I think with intelligence that's definitely something I've struggled with um since since like a, a long time since a long time um, <laughs> since the beginning because being in an art field people really assume that it's not you know intellectually rigorous which I think is mm. so not true one of the yeah. reasons I'm drawn to film and the arts is because again like I love academia and I love challenging myself and you know my intellectual capacities in in every way and I think art challenges you in so many change along with art but it challenges you in so many different ways um so yeah uh, especially because most people in my school are going in, they're either an engineer or a lawyer. That's it. I was so, going to say the exact same thing. You, like, yeah. We're living the same life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I definitely think, and even women that go into STEM and um, minorities, there's, so, there's such a massive barrier between, mm -hmm. you know, this is why you can't do this and this is why I'm going to assume things. And I don't think that it's necessarily always so obvious to most people, but when you break it down, it's like there's so many subconscious um, just biases we make towards people that really don't deserve them. So um, definitely, if you're an artist and you're listening, you are not a you are not a dunce. You are <laughs> you're very smart, and I've dealt with the same thing. And it's difficult because I I have felt like a bit of a like I'm always trying to prove myself in in a lot of different areas. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just about being confident in yourself and really understanding your strengths and applying them when necessary. You know, and I've learned that I think mainly through debate, it's like being a critical thinker is so important and being mentally agile in so many different areas and flexible is like just a massive thing that people totally overlook and being smart exists in so many different areas and so many different ways. And I think right now, mainly with the education system, we overlook a little bit of that. And I think that STEM fits really well into a category of like what we see as intelligent. And I think part, a lot of that's true, but it's just about, you know, including other forms of that into education and, and biases and not incorporating into biases but you know what I mean mm -hmm. yeah definitely and honestly I think like arts can even be viewed as something that is slightly more difficult compared to 
the STEM field because the way that you have to perform things is so different than getting an equation correct because if you do mm-hmm. math over and over again you'll eventually get it but when it comes to things like acting or drawing or music like there's no right way to do it because it's it's on a different like level of- <laughs> it's on a different level <laughs> it's on a different really like i feel it's like, like mainly separate. superior no <laughs> yeah, yeah i totally agree i think that like a lot of specifically like something that I always think about are these amazing like you know the epitome of artists like you think of people Mm. who have just reached pure excellence Mm. and you're like how could that possibly not be associated with anything that's smart and I think same with them like if you're if you're an amazing you know Elon Musk that man gets credit up the in yang you know what I mean like he is Mm -hmm. he like everybody's always hyping him up and I think a lot of people are doing that with other artists in other fields but it's just not to the same extent you know, which is crazy to me because so many, when you reach excellence as an artist, I think there's, you, you can't not be smart. Like, it's not just something that comes out of you, you know what I mean? And I think people in the lower levels of every field are pretty equal in that way. Because, again, our brain, like, our, our uh, strengths and our brain function in so many different ways. And right now we think so linearly in those terms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. You're right. And I think one of the important things about being an artist as well as like the business and the marketing side to it. So I was mm-hmm. curious because you have your own company. You also do just so many different types of things that I, I'd assume is heavily involved with business as well. So did you take any classes for that? How did you kind of learn to manage all of those really heavy things as well? Like when it comes to all the initiatives that you're doing? Yeah, I think such a huge lesson that I've learned over the years um, you know, being in film and just loving, you know, art in general has been when you love that field, the emotions are tough not to get to you at times, you know what I mean? Especially, and both, I think, you know, I won the lottery, art and activism are both like the most emotional things you could possibly get into. Like it's the <laughs> biggest like heart investment. And so I, I would say like my, my biggest challenge throughout creating Breeze in general is that so many issues that I'm I think passion is awesome and it's something that like I'm unfortunately full of in so many different things, but it's also a bit of a burden because you think when I get so invested in an initiative or an issue and I'm arguing with someone or I'm discussing it and I can't really get to where I want to get, it's a very frustrating process. And even with art, trying to convey what you want to convey and having people not misinterpret it, I've experienced that a lot where you know, it gets misinterpreted and you're like, oh goodness, that was not the intention at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, so you definitely have to be really aware, but also just confident in the fact that you're human and people are going to make mistakes. And we're losing sight of that a little bit nowadays, in my opinion. Um, and it's just important to realize that you can learn from your mistakes and, and move forward. And also that challenging yourself is like the coolest thing you could possibly do. And trying new things is the coolest thing you could possibly do. And most of the lessons, this is so cliche, but it's honestly true. Like most of the lessons I've learned just because I failed. Yeah, or like just like constantly making things. Like I don't think everything on my website is 100% gold, but like because I've made so many different things, I notice myself getting better in a lot of different ways. Um, so just being confident in that process is key. I am in awe every question that we, we give you how um, how wise you are, really. I mean, it's I, I don't know if it's yeah, applicable to say, That's but nice. it, I mean, it really is. You have so much experience, and you you use that experience to better yourself. And I think that's what so many youth creatives may even struggle with, is that feeling of, you know, for one, the pressure of not mm-hmm. getting into it and going to 
a more stable route um or two just getting into it and not knowing what to do how do you express yeah. yourself how do you make meaningful mm -hmm. change how do you make those experiences mean something to you and to because it's not and anyone else a straightforward yeah it's not right like it's not like you go to university you come out you get a job whatever yeah exactly it's all about yeah practice and so i think the fact that you're able to you've recognized that and you've been able to apply it not just to your art or to your activism to everything else in your life is is truly like a service really to everyone so thank you for what you do um no really it's, it's amazing which is like yeah i need to mind. i need to get off like, my butt and do something really like when amber told me about you i didn't know you were 17 i thought you were like a full-grown like an adult oh <laughs> because of all the work that you've been doing so it's honestly very that's inspiring. nice thank you <laughs> yeah um, and seriously you know. like it's this type of stuff that honestly keeps me going because it, I'm, and I think, you know, what I said before, it's so easy to let everything get to you. So it's so mm -hmm. important to just encourage everybody and, and be kind um, over everything. That's amazing. Well, before we get to our last <clears throat> little bit about advice, because obviously yeah. that is what we're here for. We're benefiting or trying to benefit our <laughs> next generation of artists. I do have a personal question to ask you because mm -hmm. you and I are, as we know, film buffs. We're both very much into yes. film. Um, so this is a two part question. One, I want to know your favorite film and why. Um, Jasmine knows my favorite film, and I'm not going to go into it because that's a two, three-hour conversation. We're not going to get into. But um, can you I say the name? Film. Of course, The Godfather. Okay, yeah. right. We just, we you don't even have to there. explain that one, really. Thank you, thank yeah. you. See, Jasmine, you see this? This is the appreciation. For I understand. Cinema. I really um, should watch it now. <laughs> I'll go watch um, it today. <laughs> yes, yes, I better make you. Um, no, so I want to know your favorite film and why, mm -hmm. um, and maybe if that had any impact on your experiences or anything like that. And two, who is the coolest person you've worked with? This could be Ooh. someone that is like very well known or someone who you just think is like an incredibly amazing person that you just had the privilege of, of being able to work with or know. Yeah, I'll rank them. No, I'm kidding. I will not <laughs> do that. I love you all if you're any of you are listening. Um, yeah, so my favorite movie, this is a really tragic, sad, horrible story, and I will tell you why. It is because Call Me By Your Name was such a special movie for me, and it held such oh a my special gosh. little homey oh. place in my heart. And then Army Hammer decided to become a cannibal, and I'm sorry, folks, I get why you like him, but holy smokes, that was the saddest thing I've ever heard in a while. Yeah, like, when I okay. read the headline, and I, I was like, is this, is this really happening? <laughs> like, I thought I it was a I'm... joke. <laughs> But the fact anyway, that not only dropped from his project, sorry, but dropped from his agency, like that, there's kind of yeah. something else they're not telling us. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So um, not that, I think that what he did was pretty terrible. Like I read his girlfriend's statement and I, there's, I have no doubt in my mind, that like, you know, that was not okay, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, right. But, and so I'm, uh, and I didn't, I knew you were going to ask me about my favorite movie and it's just so easy for me to talk about Call Me By Your Name because I love it so much, but that was my disclaimer. But the reason I love Call Me By Your Name and what that. The director is Luca Guadagnino. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's Got a toughie. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love him so much because he does such a good job of really reflecting the human experience and just taking his time and um, really just creating the most natural and intimate setting for actors and for images and everything. So Call Me By Your Name, I loved so much when I first watched it, and I've watched it so many times. And anybody who's not a film buff is probably like, how could you watch that movie twice? Because <laughs> I don't think a lot happens, like, action-wise. Um, but just the fact, and the actors are so good. I mean, Timothy Chalamet is an exceptional um, actor. I, I really, think there's yeah. just basically no argument. Yeah, like, he's next level. Um, and 
I don't know. I just thought it was so good. And it's just so intimate. And he does such a good job of making so much happen and also nothing happen at the same time. And my favorite types of movies are probably things like that. I think my number two, which is, this is actually opposite. My my number two movie is Sorry to Bother You. Has anybody seen that? Sorry to Bother oh, You with Keith Stanfield. Yes. Yeah. I think I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 You would, if you watched it, you'd know because there's like cocaine and horse people and it's a really like, it's a oh, sound bite okay. kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But if anybody's seen that, yeah. I love those how the, weird it is. And those are always the best how, movies. Though, let's be honest. Totally. And uh, the other thing I love about movies is when you're like, this is how I think everything is. And then it's like, no, just kidding. Reality is this and you're wrong and everything's crazy. And I'm like, oh, sweet. So I think Sorry to Bother You does a great job of doing that. And Lakeith Stanfield's on Atlanta and Childish Gambino made Atlanta. Oh my God. And Childish Gambino is my favorite person in the world. He's oh, amazing. and actually, never mind. We don't have to go. Sorry. I, Amber, you have the no, same disease. On. It's like just <laughs> ranting it's about. Just, it's, it's something that everyone, every film buff is diagnosed <laughs> with. Like, seriously, we can't yeah. like. It's, it's, but you know what? Totally. You, this is your space. If you need to, you need to. go for it. You got yeah, and it's far as shows, because I was just thinking every time, because movies, I, I always want to support, you know, the women in the industry. And Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and Big Little Lies are two shows yes. that you must watch immediately right now. Mm-hmm. So just to shout out, um, I will bet that. And that is 100% true. Yes. You will second that notion. It's so good. <laughs> um, and then the person you the have met yeah. is the coolest. Ooh. Okay. You can interpret that word however you you so tr- please. <laughs> okay, I actually have to think about this one. Not that I actually didn't have to think about the rest of them. That sounded... Anyway. Okay. Coolest I will interpret in probably not like a super expected way. Um, I, when I worked on Creeped Out, uh, the director, Bruce McDonald, who I loved before I worked with him, he does horror movies and he's amazing. Um, basically on set, I told him about how much I want to be a director and, and how much that excites me. And he was amazing throughout the entire process. Something that I I thought was so amazing about him is that he's really cool and calm throughout everything. And in film, it's impossible. Like you have to run so, you have to manage so many people and there's just so many bits and pieces. Um, And something I admire about him is that he was just so calm and so together the entire time. And when I spoke to him about wanting to become a director, he, I actually got to intern for him after my uh, time on Creeped Out as an actress. And so him doing that was a massive deal for me. And he uh, makes a big effort, you know, for supporting women in film and just really any creative without, you know, any previous notion or whatever, which I think is awesome and being intentional about supporting people um, that are really passionate about it. So that was an awesome experience for me. And something else that I thought was so cool about him is that um, he loves music and music is probably my biggest inspiration. It's something that I'm so passionate about and informs a majority of the things I create. And uh, he had this record collection that he was showing me and all this really cool stuff. So um, I, 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 we were really kindred in that way. Oh, that's amazing. Definitely, he's probably cool. Amber, were you mm-hmm. trying to ask her what it was like to work with Annabelle? Was that where that question was supposed to oh, go? Oh, yeah. I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't end up meeting Annabelle, that's which is unfortunate you. because I had such a, I mean, it was such a tiny role. It was still an amazing experience. I wish I could kind of met everybody on set. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't get to meet her. That's okay. You know what? When the when the sequel comes out, you'll have your chance. And then yeah, can we still be friends? Okay. Of course, I'm gonna be on Facetime with you, um, and I'm gonna give you a mm-hmm. list of things you know to ask, and we're just gonna have okay. like a nice chat that way. <laughs> I love Peaky Blinders, by the way. So I was fangirling oh as well, because originally I thought I was playing her daughter when I got the audition. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I mean Nikolai was a great trade-off. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it's really cool to like work 
legitimately in the real industry so like what is something really interesting that you've learned working with adults Mm -hmm. and like people who are actually professionally doing what they're doing what is some advice that you can give for us who are trying to you know make it out there (laughs) yeah that's an amazing question um I think the main thing that I've learned specifically with working with adults is just being an effective communicator um not that I've I'm good in any really respect, but I think that that's definitely something that I've had to develop and just being intentional about my words and, you know, really just being mindful of my actions and what I'm saying and when I'm saying it. And also just, there's definitely like a, a big, um, there's just a nice like social vibe on set on films. And so if you're not up to snuff in that way, especially when you're an actor, like everybody's always throwing out witty, witty one-liners and funny little anecdotes. So you always have to be kind of on top of it. So that was like probably a smaller thing, but still something that being communication for every artist is a a big deal. But for me, you know, with my um, background in a lot of my other areas, communicating something really important to me. Um, And then also probably just showing up and being on top of it. Because when you're working in an adult industry, you really have to get your bleep together quickly. I'm saving you guys so much editing time with this bleep. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so really just showing up and, and um, being prepared and learning how to stay on top of all of that from a young age was really something that has informed a lot of what I do at school, a lot of how I operate in my everyday world. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and then I guess on an ending note, um, mm-hmm. I guess general advice, I mean, there are, we, we always hear the notion of like, there are millions of people who have the same dream as you. So what are you going to do mm. to stand out? What are you going to do to make it? Um, and that pushes a lot of people away. That scares yeah. a lot of people. And totally. people who have talent, people who really mm-hmm. are destined to do this, but they just, they, they don't want to try. Um, yeah. So, you know, holistically, let's say, what, what is some, to, the, to the little girl who wants to be a filmmaker, an actress, anything she wants to be in the arts, what would you say to her? So I would say that we are moving into a space in the world where creatives are going to be like the new foundation of that. And anybody that's going into anything creative, it's important to value that part of your life, you know, innovation, um, art, really any of that, I think they go hand in hand. Um, But it's important to recognize, especially if you're arguing with your parents about the fact that you want to be a starving artist, it's important to say that um, there's so many different jobs and so many areas where they want people that are artistic, people that are creative, people that are dynamic and flexible. I think I keep saying flexibility, agility, because being an artist, that's such a massive um, strength that you have, you know, being able to understand, being able to, you know, stretch your mind in these different places. So number one, cultivate that. If you, if you have it, if you feel like there's this part inside of you that just like, it gets lit up when you watch a movie or listen to a song or look at a painting, then look at that and cultivate it and just practice, practice, practice. Because I'm telling you, even if you don't end up going into the arts, that'll be such an important and valuable skill, no matter what the world tells you, going mm-hmm. into this or focusing on this is going to do. Um, art is essential. And I think also, um, again, like you can, there's so many lucrative areas and people either think like, oh, you're famous on the red carpet or you're literally living in your mother's basement. That is not right. the case. Mm-hmm. Like you can be like, I don't know, marketing director for Adobe Photoshop and make bank mm-hmm. as an artist. So there's so many different areas and it's definitely, and also you can't turn your back from the artistic instincts, I think. And if you do, I, I in my opinion, 
that you're doing yourself a disservice. So definitely cultivate that practice and know that you have a lot of options. Is there anything that you wish you knew before getting into working? Because I know you started really young. So obviously yeah. there, there's probably a lear- learning curve, I'd assume. Mm-hmm. Oof. Okay, I want to think about this one because, yeah, I, I mean, it's a lot of hard work. And you're going to be dealing with a lot of different people. And I think the main thing that I probably didn't know when I was younger is that you know, you're going to get a lot of different stuff thrown at you, right? So you always have to be ready and and always be really aware, you know, like getting in, into the right situations and um, really maximizing the opportunities that you have, not taking advantage of them, but maximizing, I think is the right word. Um, so yeah, definitely before I'm going in, I would say that it's going to take a lot of your time and it's going to be a lot of hard work, so be ready for it, but it builds resilience and it'll help you in the long run and just you really should know that you're going to have to be ready for a lot of different situations because the film industry is the most dynamic place ever and you get the most random bunch of people that are awesome but you know what I mean like you're always gonna Mm -hmm. you just have to be ready right yeah well I mean I guess on that note thank you so much Brielle for being with us today for talking to us for sharing your wisdom again we we keep (laughs) saying it but only just at 17 years old I mean you're making waves you are gonna even just in the future from where you are now, you are going to have such a profound impact on this world. I mean, it's going to be amazing. Thank you so much. So, and you yeah. too as well. I mean, like, I find, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And I'm so excited to see what you guys make in the future. And to anyone listening, you know, if you meet a random chick on Instagram, mm-hmm. <laughs> reach that out is, and say, let's do this together. Throw stranger danger out the window at this exactly. point. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. So thank right. you so much. And I like I just appreciate this so much. And I'm, I'm so excited to stay in touch with you too. Oh, well, it's our, our pleasure, really. And you can find <laughs> all of Brielle's social media links, the link to her Breeze website. Please check her out, check out her work and go support her and show her some love. Um, and I think with that being said, we can end off episode two of Off the Charts. Please make Amazing. sure you're listening. Yeah, please make sure to follow us on our show- socials and keep an eye out for our next guest on the third episode. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.